I'll go over my first one. Okay. Is it Ghostier? Is that how you say it? Yep. Ghostier, Ghostier. Um, all we know about him is that he was a dragon. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say something like go steer a car off a cliff. That's so bad. <laughs> no, please do not. Especially if you're listening to this while driving. No, if you're listening to this while driving, I just want you to be safe, buckle up, and put that beer can away. Go, go steer your car into a parking lot and think about what you've done. Okay. Welcome to Exploring Middle Earth, where my friends and I talk about Middle Earth and all of Tolkien's works regarding Lord of the Rings and, well, Middle Earth. <laughs> so, uh, but today um, it is just Jay and I, uh, Jay and Grant, if you will, if you don't recognize my voice. Um, uh, Jay here. And Jay just talked. Yeah. So, uh, Zach is currently um, packing and getting ready to go back up to college, so he is not with us. Um, and I, honestly, I don't know when we'll see him again, and I'm kind of worried. Yeah. But uh, anyways, today's episode is all about dragons. Okay, Grant, uh, why don't you uh, introduce us to what the dragons in Middle-earth were, who they were, how they were. And they why did, they were. Why they were. And, and what's another one? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when they were. Ah. Excuse me. Yes. Um, well, why don't you get going? Okay, I'm going <laughs> to get going. So, uh, the dragons, there were only, I think, uh, five named dragons in all of Tolkien's works, at least regarding um, Lord of the Rings, or Middle-earth, specifically. So, those were, uh, in the first stage, those were Glaurung, and Calagan the Black, and Gostir. And um, there isn't really much mentioned about dragons at all. Actually, I don't really think anything is mentioned about dragons in the second age. But... Uh, it picks back up in the uh, mid to late Third Age with uh, Skatha the Worm and Smaug the Golden, who you probably have heard of for uh, even casual Lord of the Rings fans. Um, so these uh, dragons were also known as Great Worms, in, uh, like big old earthworms in uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> big great worms. Yeah, great worms as in like they were serpents or... Uh, because they could you do know, the worm. Because <laughs> they could do the worm really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they could go forward and backward with oh, it. Oh, wow. Pretty sweet. Um, but they were mostly found in the uh, the, the northern parts of Middle-earth, um, where uh, Morgoth, the first Dark Lord, uh, first had his uh, fortress. Mm -hmm. And that's where he first bred them, because he was the first, uh, I guess, um, Dark Lord, obviously, to, <laughs> to breed the dragons. They were his uh, creation. Not necessarily a creation, but they're kind of like a mix of like sorcery and fire, and he kind of like mixed a bunch of things, and he found snakes, and he created this race of evil dragons that he could use in his uh, battles against the elves in the first stage. And so, they uh, after a tragic ending for Morgoth at the end of the first stage, and um, I'll talk a little bit about this later because it, um, uh, there's a dragon that's a part of it, so I'll talk about it later, but... Uh, at the end of the first stage, there's a great battle, and pretty much Morgoth has a tragic ending, and he gets um, kicked out into the doors of night. Basically, basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically, he gets kicked into the doors of night, which is the void outside <laughs> of the world. Um, basically, space, I guess. Basically, space. Basically, space, <laughs> and um, 
And so all of the dragons and all of his orcs and uh, Balrogs that were a part of his army kind of all fled into different parts. And uh, uh, Beleriand, which is the land that was the main focus of the first age, actually went underwater. And like kind of the lands changed and it went underwater. And so the dragons fled into the east, um, the northeastern parts of the world, and they uh, started breeding in the um, the withered heath and the gray mountains. Yes, they bred. Jay, <laughs> I was thinking basically still basically basically. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so. Um, so they all, they all went into the, uh, the area just north of Mirkwood and that's where they started, um, living and terrorizing people. So, uh, it was, it was in the, in the third age that the dragons, uh, began to terrorize and harass these people, mostly just the Northern men and the dwarves living in that area, like especially around the, uh, Grey Mountains and, uh, Erebor, the Lonely Mountain, um, and so there was actually a war of the dwarves and dragons where the dragons were all, uh, dragons, all dragons are greedy and cunning. And so they all love, uh, gold and treasure and stuff like that. So when the dragons, uh, learned of the wealth of the dwarves living in that area, they started attacking and that was the whole war. And it was presumed that at that time, the dwarven rings that were gifted to them by Sauron and in the second age, uh, that's when they were devoured by the dragons. There were four of them that were taken by the dragons. So it was presumed at that time that's when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their lifespan uh, was many centuries. They were, um, like I said, greedy of treasure and gold, intelligent, cunning. Uh, they were strong. They could lay a dragon spell, which basically they could um, they could use their words or stare into you with their eyes and kind of hypnotize you and paralyze you. But the way to avoid that, which is the way that Bilbo used um, in The Hobbit against Smaug, was to uh, speak indirectly to the dragon and kind of speak in riddles so that you wouldn't give him an actual answer Mm -hmm. and you could kind of avoid the dragon spell. Um, So they, like, can talk, they're smooth with words and they have smooth talkers. They're pretty much like pickup artists. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) They're the pickup artists of Middle Earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So uh, uh, after Smaug's death, uh, spoiler alert. Sorry, no. everyone. <laughs> he dies. Yeah. I didn't know if there are any fans of him out there. Fans of Faugs. Smaug. <laughs> fans of Faug. Faug. Uh, but, yeah, he does die um, in the Third Age. And uh, R.I.P. There were apparently still dragons after his death. Like, he wasn't the last dragon of Middle-Earth. But Gandalf mentions that there are other dragons, but they are not as strong as Smaug. So Smaug was probably the last of the great dragons but there are other minor dragons still alive yeah. during the time of the Lord of the Rings, which is interesting to note, but because it would have been cool to see dragons maybe in some of the wars that they had, uh, mm-hmm. like Sauron against uh, Gondor and stuff like that. That would have been kind of cool to see. It would have been. But um, I guess the way it was the way it was talked about was that these dragons were not powerful enough for Sauron to see any real use in them during the war, so he just let them be, let them attack dwarves so um and most of them uh actually yeah most most dragons actually mentioned in um middle earth had a soft spot under their uh like arms or like Mm -hmm. basically their armpits where their scales didn't cover all the way and so that was usually a weakness um and actually two different dragons died by getting stabbed in those areas so as I guess it was somewhat a well-known weakness. And actually, um, it's mentioned in uh, The Hobbit that uh, Bilbo's father had a saying that says every worm has its weakness. Mm-hmm. And so that must have just been a very common knowledge that after the first dragon died 
from that weakness, then everyone was like, oh, well, they, they got the weakness. Look at that. Look at that. What Dragon, the heck? Dragons are ticklish. <laughs> Dragon, dragons got a ticklish spot. So uh, the um, most dragons were fire-breathing, and these were called the Uru-Loki, which pretty much just means fire serpent or fire dragon. That's mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, and they they were just four-legged and serpentine, um, and... But there were winged dragons, and they had four legs as well, but just with wings, and they could still breathe fire. But there was another type of dragon that was um, both four-legged and winged, and they were called cold drakes because they could not breathe fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just regular old chaps, just little dragons. So yeah, just very, they're just lizards. Yeah. So that is, um, for the most part, the basics of dragons in Middle Earth. I just do. I do want to note as well that the um, fell beasts, like the kind of dragon-like monsters that you see the Nazgul, the Ringwraiths ride, those are not dragons. They are reptilian creatures, but mm-hmm. they are not dragons at all. Oh, I didn't know that. So I just yeah. assumed they were dragons. Nope, not at all. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so you said the dragons, fire-breathing ones, are called Uru Loki. Mm-hmm. So does Uru mean fire? Um, I can't remember exact. Oh yeah, it does actually. Because because I'm pretty sure Loki, um, or Loke, uh, depending on which language it is, Quenya or Sindarin, um, is dragon or Drake. Because there's the Urukai. Is that what does Urukai mean? Um, I'm pretty sure that's just a coincidence because Urukai is um, that means orc Uruk, mm-hmm. and then Hai. Um, I can't remember what that means. Oh, but, so um, but that Urukai is the language of the orcs. Oh, so okay. It's not so Uru no. in the start of that doesn't mean no. fire like it does in the okay. No, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. So that's, those are pretty much the basics of the uh, dragons. There is another dragon that uh, Tolkien wrote about. Um, that's not in Middle Earth, but it is in one of his tales, and his name is Chrysophylax. 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 Chris file my taxes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that doesn't work. Chris file my taxes. Cool, 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 cool. Um, and he was in a, a tale written by Tolkien uh, called uh, Farmer uh, Giles of Ham. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a little short story that he wrote, and kind of like in medieval Wales um, in uh, in Great Britain. So that's just another little dragon. And it was, was kind of along the lines of Smog, too, like winged and four-legged, breathe fire, love treasure. That sort of whole thing. Yeah, classic dragon. Classic dragon, classic. if you will, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, dra- Tolkien yeah. was really dragging the whole dragon <laughs> idea around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah, those are the basics of dragons. Yeah. So, it's good to know. Everybody should know the basics of dragons. Everyone, including everyone. <laughs> everyone, including everyone. Everyone on yeah. Earth. Well, why don't we go into depth on the individual dragons that are mentioned in yeah, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, why don't we? Yeah, why don't we? Why don't we start with <laughs> start with the dragons of the first age? You said there was three, right? There were, yeah, there were three in the first age. Yeah, I'll go over my first one. Okay, is it Ghostier? Is that how you say it? Yep, Ghostier, Ghostier. Um, all we know about him is that he was a dragon. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say something like Ghostier a car off a cliff. That's so bad. <laughs> no, please do not. Especially if you're listening to this while driving. No, if you're listening to this while driving, I just want you to be safe, buckle up, and put that beer can away. <laughs> Stop drinking. Go go steer your car in the lane and go, continue Go steering. steer your car into a parking lot and think about what you've done. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So pretty much, go steer was a dragon, and that's all we, we know. You need to go steer this podcast and do another direction yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, one thing that I can say about go steer, um, his name means dread glance in Nodorin, 
Noel Doran. Yep. No yeah, Doran. Noel Doran. Yeah. Uh, so to break it down, ghost. G O S T means <laughs> ghost means dread and terror, and fear T H I R, but with little accent over yes. the I. I forgot what that's called. Means look or face expression or countenance. So yeah. together that means dread glance. So ghost steer. Ghost steer. So yeah. So ghost steer is. Uh, there's not much known about him other than that he was a dragon. Uh, and that's that's okay because he was just off doing his own thing in the first age. He was just there. He was just vibing. Yeah, and then there's two other that Grant's going to talk about from the first age. Yeah, so um I was I was going to mention something but I couldn't I couldn't find it but um okay. I was looking <laughs> at a map of Beleriand in the first age. Hold on. I'm okay. So, I'm pretty sure there is a location somewhere it might be in Middle-earth or Beleriand but the word ghost does come up in a location and it, it has something to do with like Morgoth or Sauron or like one of their, one of their fortresses or one of the places where they're at. And so that's where that word comes from too. Oh, Dread. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like how in depth the languages are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> um, so I will talk about the other two dragons of the first age and they are perhaps the greatest dragons of all time. Um, Including in the third age as well, the goats. They weren't there. They were the goats of the dragons. <laughs> dragons. Don't dragons eat goats? I feel like that's the thing. No, but dragons mate with goats, according to Shrek. So, oh, is that is that uh, uh, canon for Lord of the Rings? <laughs> oh wait, no, donkey, donkey <laughs> is not a ghost. <laughs> I, I was confused. I was like, I don't remember in Shrek when they do that. It's donkey, donkey. <laughs> Sorry, a uh, a donkey is not a goat. Yeah, <laughs> I was just told. Um, <laughs> Uh, donkeys do not have cloven hooves, so that is the only difference there. <laughs> yeah, Grant found out live that donkeys are not goats. This is insane. Yeah. Wait, we're what live right heck? now? <laughs> are we live right now? Yeah, so, yeah, donkeys aren't goats, and, uh, dragons mate with donkeys in Shrek's world, but I don't know about Tolkien's world. So, okay. <laughs> but this is not a Shrek podcast. Um, so... Uh, the first dragon I want to talk about is actually the first dragon that was created by Morgoth, and his name was Glaurung. Glaurung. Um, he was called. You just Glaurung the wrong bell. <laughs> I don't know when <laughs> you would use stretch. that. When you would use that, but it works. <laughs> that was really a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he was called the father of dragons, or he was also called the Great Worm, the Dragon um, Daddy. And he was. Uh, it, it was said, like in descriptions, he shone like gold, but most artistic uh, depictions. Um, show him as like black or dark gray in color. Maybe it's like a when gold gets that green stuff over it. What's that called? When it oxidizes. Yeah, yeah. I think you're talking about bronze or copper. Yeah, that's probably what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not yeah. sure gold does that. In my well, mind, it does. I feel no. In my mind, okay, it's my mind. I was thinking about silver. Silver tarnishes, but mm-hmm. okay. Well, this is really off topic. There's black now. gold. There is. I know that. <laughs> you said that so fast. There is black gold. Yeah, that's that's it. Okay. Shown like black cool, gold. Cool. Okay, get back on track. Yeah. Grant. So um, he had a fiery breath. So he was the first dragon. As the first dragon, he was a fire breathing dragon. Mm-hmm. But he did not have wings. The first dragons were just four legged land bound mm-hmm. dragons. It was waddle. But, yeah. But he <laughs> was he was sentient. He could speak, and he um also had a uh, magic. Like he could cast dragon spells on others and paralyze them and enchant them and all that. Did sort he of have stuff. a wand, or was it like his? Voice um, or? it was his tongue. Mm. Is wa- it kind of like he waved it around? Is it kind of like in uh, Skyrim with the dragon shouts oh, and stuff yeah. like that? Fusroda. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and play Skyrim. Yeah. Best game of the year. Of every out, year. <laughs> came out in 2011, but it's the best game every year so far. Oh, this is a 10-year anniversary of it. Oh, wow. I don't know when it Con- probably came out in September, probably. Congrats, Bethesda. I don't know. On your great game. Yeah, Elder, well, why don't we Elder get... Scrolls Five Skyrim. I thought it's six. No, it's five. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so Glaurung was uh, uh, held in Angband, which was the fortress of the first Dark Lord Morgoth, and that was in the far north of um, Beleriand in the First Age. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, there was a whole uh, war going on between Morgoth and the um, elves of the Noldor and the Sindar and uh, some of the dwarves and uh, some of the first men that came into Beleriand as well. And um, it was basically a war over the jewels, which are the Silmarils. And the sons of Feanor, Feanor was the one who wrought the Silmarils, um, Mm -hmm. were basically uh, angered at the fact that Morgoth stole them. And um, so they wanted them back. So that's pretty much what the whole war is about. Someone stole their precious little jewels and they wanted them back. Yeah. And so they took an oath and that pretty much... Pretty much what all wars are about. And they pretty much... That's not true. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, And so the oath pretty much bound them to continue the war until they had the jewels themselves. So they were pretty much... All of the free peoples of Beleriand at the time were locked in a war with Morgoth and his armies of wolves and orcs and evil men and Balrogs and... And now there's a dragon on the loose. Oh no! Because at the time in the when what year is it? What year is it, Jay? What year is it? 2021. No, I'm looking. Oh, the the first age, the year 260. Mm. Um, there is a uh, the siege of Angband is going on because the elves are actually um, becoming victorious and they're pushing forward to Angband, and um, so Morgoth is kind of desperate and so he he creates this dragon, but um, Glaurung actually comes out of Angband prematurely he's still young and he's still not fully grown and he's still somewhat weak like he can be easily defeated like when baby birds jump out of nests that kind of exactly yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but he doesn't have wings no yeah but um so he he came out and he he actually did push back the forces of the elves and he was um it was seeming like he was gonna break the siege of the of Angband but the uh, the hosts of uh, Fingon, who was uh, an elvish prince at the time, uh, he was the son of Fingolfin, who was the high king. Um, he took his uh, horsed archers and they um, rode around Glaurung and they shot at him. And Glaurung did not like the arrows because his scales were still soft and he wasn't because mm-hmm. he wasn't fully grown. And so he fled back to Angband. And uh, Morgoth was actually uh, angry at that because he didn't uh, give the or like you know give the go ahead for mm-hmm. Glaurung to go out because he wasn't fully uh, grown. Yeah. And so... Fully um, developed. Yeah, fully developed. As a young man. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hasn't reached manhood. Yeah. And so um, so he kept him in Angband for like another 200 or so years. And um, so that was the first time that they had seen a dragon. So that was a little scary, little mm-hmm. scary event for them. Very but spooky time. They ended up winning that because he was still weak. But um, yeah, so like I was saying about... 200 or so years later in the year 455 of the first age uh, Morgoth unleashed Glaurung as he was fully grown in the Dagor Bragalach which is the battle of sudden flame which you can guess was brought about by the dragon's flame breath that's a cool name though yeah which Dagor uh, oh Dagor Bragalach yeah that sounds super cool thanks man (laughs) (laughs) I did not make it up though yeah full disclosure but I guess also the battle of sudden 
flame. Flame the, is yeah, also the translation. Cool name. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it means. Dagor means battle. Mm-hmm. And Bragalak means sudden, <laughs> sudden flame. flame. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's when uh, Glaurung was actually, like, when he was fully grown, that's when he was unleashed onto the plains of Ardgallon, which is these green grasslands between uh, the mountains of the north where Angband is and the um, Elvish kingdoms towards the south. Mm-hmm. And um, so he actually pushed back the siege of Angband and he kind of split the hosts of the elves apart and he um, pretty much set on fire the whole plains and all the lands in between. And uh, those lands actually became known as Enfauglith, which means like choking dust or gasping dust or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, so it just burned mm-hmm. everything. Just not good. Not, not good. good, man. Dragons, I'm telling you. You think they... Uh, <coughs> I feel like it was actually uh, more beneficial for Morgoth to have Glaurung come out early because then the enemies would get a false perception of how strong he is because they'll think, oh, we'll shoot him with arrows and he'll go away. Then when he comes out for real, they're like, oh, we got this. And then they don't got this. That yeah. actually kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then, yeah, then they'd be like, well, he's just a tiny little guy. We can get him. Yeah. We so shot arrows at him last time. It was actually better for Morgoth to have him yeah. s- have a little, little guy sneak out. Little did he know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the elves... Uh, began a counter move against Morgoth because their siege was broken against him. And that was something that they were, um, that was like one of their victories was that they had a siege against him and that he would not leave his fortress. And so now the siege was broken and they needed a counter move to attack him again. And so that came, um, roughly 20 or so years later in the first age, uh, 472. And so that was called the, um, the armies were called the Union of Mithros, and Mithros was one of the sons of Feanor, and so he was bound under the oath to gain the Silmarils at all costs. Mm-hmm. And so he united a bunch of elves and dwarves and Easterling men that came over the mountains and uh, men uh, of the elf friends and all these sort of people. And so they all attacked. Um, they marched against Angband in the Nernaith Arnoidiad, which is the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, which oh, that's also a cool name. Yeah, which is, uh, as the name suggests, it's not a very like they didn't have a good ending. Wait, so, wait, can you <clears> say the Noldorian translation of that? Uh, Nirnaith Arnoidiad. Nirnaith Arnoidiad. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Thank like you that. again. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, so that was the the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. So uh, Glaurung and his brood, because now uh, that he was fully grown, uh, Sauron started breeding other, or er, not Sauron. Um, Morgoth. Morgoth, yeah. Sauron was just a lieutenant of Morgoth at the time. Yeah. Um, he started breeding other dragons through Glaurung, so there were other, like, smaller dragons still, and, um, and, uh, hold on, I'm trying to flip through my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 hold on, excuse me. <laughs> um, real quick, I'm using physical notes, like, I have an actual notebook, so I'm not like these other guys. There's only one other guy here. <laughs> These other guys. I'm not like him yes. at all in any way. He's not like other guys. So, uh, so Glaurung and his dragons uh, joined the battle on the third morning, mm. and uh, they they split the hosts of Mithros and Fingon apart, and um, they continued to the eastern front where Mithros and the elves and the Easterling men and dwarves of Belagost fought, and so only the stout dwarves of Belagost under their lord Azagal could withstand the heat and the, the terror of the dragons because they had um, uh, dwarf-forged uh, war masks. And so they could, 
you know, withstand the fire because of that. And so they're able to, um, with their axes, get up close to the dragons. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know, it might have mentioned that they killed a few dragons, some of the lesser dragons, but they got up to Glaurung, and Glaurung was dismayed because he was being hewed by axes. But they couldn't get through his thick skin, but he was still, like, pretty much just annoyed and frustrated that they could yeah. get to him. And um, but in a in a in a fit of rage, he kind of leaped on top of um, or leapt on top of the Lord Azagal, the Dwarf Lord, and um, he smothered him. But in the last kind of his last um, action, Lord Azagal uh, thrust his uh, like dagger, his sword up into Glaurung's um, uh, weak spot. His arm. His arm. His if you remember that from earlier in the yeah. podcast. And so he uh, he doesn't kill him, but he deals a lot of hurt to Glaurung. And so Glaurung retreats back to Angban, and he leaves the rest of the war up to the Balrogs and the Orcs. He's like, he's like what the heck? <laughs> what the heck was that, man? Yeah. So so that's what we hear of Glaurung for quite quite some time in the First Age. So about 20 years later in um, 495... The First Age 495, Glaurung led an army of orcs against the elven kingdom of Nargothrond. And so um, once once uh, Morgoth pretty much defeated the uh, the forces of the elves after that, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, <clears throat> he, um, he found out the location of the um, elvish kingdom of Nargothrond, um, and so that was previously hidden, and that was one of his greatest enemies too, and it was led by King Orodreth. And... Uh, so Glaurung led a great army of orcs, and they went to the plains of Tumhalad, uh, which is just north of Nargothrond, and they had a battle there because um, uh, Orodreth and one of his captains was Túrin, um, who is a great warrior of men. Um, if you've read Children of Húrin or Silmarillion or any of the First Age stories, you've probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he led the armies of Nargothrond into the battle with Glaurung, and but it ended up being a really bad idea because Turin was motivated by um, personal gain and uh, like pride and all that sort of stuff. You know all and the so, bad stuff. All the bad stuff that <laughs> yeah. you don't want. And so they ended up losing, and King Oradreth was actually slain during that battle. And in the last, the last attempt, uh, Glaurung and the orcs uh, raced off towards the doors of Nargothrond because they were left empty because Turin led the whole army mm-hmm. to the battle. And um, Turin and the last survivors, the last few survivors, uh, raced back as fast as they could as well. But Glarung and the orcs got there first, and uh, Glarung took all the treasure and put it up in one hall, and he sat on top of it, as all dragons do. Mm-hmm. He was actually the first dragon to do that, because he is the first dragon. Wow. And, he um, walked so other dragons could run. <laughs> <laughs> he walked so other dragons could fly. Yeah. Really. Uh, so um, he did that, and uh, all the orcs started leading captives out, the women and children and older men of, uh, well, they weren't men, they were elves, but mm-hmm. um, the older elves out of uh, Nargothrond. And uh, one of these elves was uh, Finduilas, and she was uh, an elf maiden. Um, I'm pretty sure she was the, she might have been the daughter of King Orodreth. Either way, she was some sort of nobility, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually fell in love with Turin. Um, and so that was kind of a forbidden love because they were elf and man, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, Turin knew that. Yeah, so uh, Turin did. He was great friends with her, and um, he he came upon Glaurung, and Glaurung met him at the doors of Nargothrond, and, like um, planned or by accident. He planned it. Oh, yeah. they planned it. Yeah, and so as the orcs were leading Fenduilas and all the other captives out of Nargothrond to be sent to torture camps or to work in mines or all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, Glaurung uh, stared into the eyes of Turin 
and he kind of paralyzed him with his dragon spell. And he said, you can either go after Fendulas, find her and retrieve her, um, or you can search for your long-lost mother and sister who you left behind at a young age. And so Turin was very... Um, he was very troubled by this because he loved Fendulas as a friend and he did not want her to die and be sent to the orcs. And But he also wanted to find his mother and sister because he had been longing for them for a long time and he mm-hmm. did not know where they were. And so um, so Turin was released from Glaurung's dragon spell and he went on in search of... Uh, he actually kind of did both. Sorry, time. my parents <laughs> yeah, are walking yeah. on the window. It freaked me out. But... Um, <laughs> He, uh, he actually did both at the same time. He said he was going to go do one thing, but he, he looked for Fendulas, and then he also went to look for his mother and sister. But because he did both, it ended up not working out for either one. He's just not a smart guy. He's not a smart guy for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so after that, Glarong ruled Nargothrond as a dragon king, and he had a bunch oh. of orcs gathered to him at the at the fortress. And uh, But after that, uh, Turin, after failing to find uh, both Fendulas and his mother and sister, he uh, ended up settling in the, the kind of the forest land of uh, Brethiel, where a bunch of men lived. Mm-hmm. And so that's where he settled, and he named himself Turin Turambar, Master of Fate, which is a pretty cool name, too. Yeah, but it doesn't. it's not as cool because he gave it to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I th- I'm pretty sure most of his names he gave to himself. Yeah, it'd um, be cool if, like, the people named him that, but giving it to yourself isn't that cool. Yeah. I am Grant the Great. Grant the Great, yeah. So it's not as cool. If don't, I would have said it, it would have been cooler. Yeah, don't know why I'm Great, mm-hmm. but... But you don't know why you're Grant either. But I don't know why I'm Grant. <laughs> Actually, Grant doesn't name, mean... Uh, name. <laughs> uh, Grant does mean Great. It does? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So... In what? I don't know. <laughs> Jay means bird. Oh, Blue Jay. <laughs> Blue Jay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah. Um, oh, continuing the story of Glaurung. Oh, it's not a, over. It's this not is over a yet. long story. It is a very long story because most of it concerns, uh, Turin and it is a very long story. Is the other one this long too? No, it's, okay. it's a lot shorter. I was going to say it's going to be a long podcast. It's going to be a long day. Yeah. Buckle your seatbelts if you're in a car or get comfy in a chair, wherever you, you are. You buckle your seatbelts in a plane. Especially if the light is on, you got to buckle your seatbelts. Boop, boop. <laughs> There's no, or there, I guess there is a beep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Anyways. well, why don't we get back? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so, uh, Glaurung, uh, starts sending orcs to, uh, Brethiel, kind of like in raiding parties because he hears of, uh, Turin again in Brethiel and he, he kind of laughs at the fact that he's still alive and he wants to kill him and all this, all this fun stuff. Yeah. You know? All fun stuff that dragons think about. And so uh, Turin in Brethiel, he actually manages to uh, uh, counterattack all of the orcs and defeat them. And so Glaurung starts to get angry again at Turin because Turin has long evaded him. And um, he uh, comes to Brethiel himself into the forest. And Turin hears of his coming. And um, and uh, so he he gets pre- he prepares himself to uh, ambush Glaurung the dragon because he's gonna finally kill him once and for all for causing all this pain to him, mm-hmm. and um, so he kind of he kind of sits in this gorge that is uh, kind of like crossing the path that Glaurung was taking, 
and um, he sits in this gorge where a river is running through, and it's called Kabad and Aras. I don't. I think it's like the gorge of like the deer's leap or something like that, because like a like hunters were hunting a a deer, and it like it leapt over the the gorge to escape the hunters, and that's why they named it that. Dang, these are all like super cool names. Yeah. Why don't they name stuff like that in the real world? <laughs> I guess they do in America. I guess. Yeah. But it's all in English, so yeah, not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah. Um, and so uh, as Glaurung started kind of slithering slash walking as he does, because he was he was like a really heavy long dragon, but he still mm-hmm. had four legs. So he walked, but his belly kind of rubbed against the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he kind of like he prepared to jump over the gorge, and he kind of got like the first half of his body over the gorge, and that's when uh, Turin stabbed upwards with his sword, which was named um. Um, hold on here. I actually, I can't remember what it's named. Holy crap. It's probably super cool though. It's, it's something along the lines of like the blacks. Oh, it's, I think it's called, um, it might be called Anglichel. Anglichel? I can't remember. I feel, that's so cool. I feel man. insecure about my Tolkien. You know what? At the end of the podcast, if Grant said that wrong, we'll, we'll, uh, do a little sound bite where Grant corrects yeah. himself. But if it's right, then you won't hear that. But it's a black sword, and it's made out of, like, meteor- meteoric iron. Oh, wow. Which is pretty sweet. Wait, it, from meteors? Right? Yeah. So that means that there's space in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Do you think there's aliens in Lord of the Rings? I don't know. <laughs> there's a whole, like, space exploration they could be doing. They don't have the technology. I guess, yeah. But they have magic. That's true, it's actually. more than we yeah. got. Yeah, they're actually... There's a flying ship in Lord of the Rings or yeah. in Middle Earth so yeah why don't they just do that I guess they Fly could space. That's yeah. for, that'll be for another time so <laughs> so by stabbing upwards into Glaurung's uh, armpit like Lord Azagal did during the Battle of uh, Unnumbered Tears um, that's actually where Turin got the inspiration from that's why he wanted to do that he um, he killed uh, Glaurung and Glaurung as he was dying he leapt he fully leapt over the gorge and he kind of writhed around and um, in the forest and caused like a whole a whole wreck, like toppled a bunch of trees and stuff like that. Wow. And um and so finally Glaurung lay still and uh Turin climbs back up the gorge and he retrieved his sword, he pulled it out, but as he pulled it out a, a gush of blood uh, squirted out at him and got on his arm and it burned his skin because it was poisonous. Mm-hmm. And um the smell of it too um made him go unconscious and so he just went, fell over. Blech, dead. Not really. He died. No, he oh. didn't. He, he went unconscious. <laughs> but um, and so uh, Neonor, which is actually um Turin's sister, uh, she came running up and she found uh her brother Turin. She actually, there's a whole thing. We'll we'll eventually talk about the um the story of the children of Hurin in another podcast. But Turin and Neonor were brother sister, but at the time they had never met actually because mm-hmm. Turin left before she was born or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um. And so they and Neonor, they were lovers. Neonor got her um, memory wiped out. Oh, that is another thing that Glaurung did that I forgot to mention. Neonor and Morwen, uh, Turin's mother, went looking for Turin because they heard of him in Nargothrond, and um, so they went looking for him. But Glaurung met them, and he um, did the dragon spell on Neonor as well, and wiped her memory completely. And so she fled off into the woods and ended up in the same spot where Turin was. Mm. And Turin fell in love with her. And they had no idea they were brother sister, and they married. Oh, that's weird. And they conceived a child as well. Oh wow! <laughs> so we'll get into Tolkien, that. Tolkien, settle down. We'll get into that <laughs> later, but it is a weird story, but it's also really tragic. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that was revealed that uh, Neonor thought that Turin had died, and so she was crying. But uh, 
Glaurung, he was still alive, and but only slightly. And with his dying breath, he he opened his well. <laughs> with his dying breath, he opened his eye. <laughs> he blew his, his eyes open. That was, that was his last move. He just. I opened my eyes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I saw that you don't have to tell yeah. me. <laughs> um, so he uh, he told Neonor the the whole thing that he did. He enchanted her and he wiped her memory, and and then he gave her memory back so that she knew that Turin was her brother and that they had conceived a child, and that basically the all of the curses lie within her, basically because she was bearing the child of incest so <laughs> i was i was really hesitant to say that but that's, i that's, guess that's a normal word that's crazy but um was she then, like what the heck and yeah so she pretty much went like what the heck and then she <laughs> flung herself down into oh, the wow. gorge and killed herself so oh, wow. that is sad <laughs> and then glaurung died and oh. so that was the end of the first dragon mm. the father of dragons glaurung wow um so i have the meaning of Glaurung. Oh, so Glaurung in Sindarin means gold worm, which is why it was thought that he was golden, but a lot of depictions show him as black or gray. Um, Do it, any... What's there, up, man? Are there, Talk to me. Uh, are there any Tolkien like drawings he did of Glaurung? Yeah, and he actually is golden oh yeah. so why do but like every other artist depicts him as like black scaled for some oh, reason so... i think it just might be more menacing or more fitting, yeah but... so tolkien it described him and drew him as golden but yep. like fan art does it yeah as, so as... i mean it's each her own when know. in doubt just turn to tolkien's illustrations because mm-hmm. i mean even if they're not like I mean, they're actually really good illustrations too he was actually a pretty decent artist i got a book about yeah them. you actually have a picture up on your wall yeah too. that's from the book yeah, that's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, picture Rivendell. That um, yeah. Tolkien drew. So they're not like, they're not like super realistic drawings, but that's still a pretty good idea of what Glaurung looked like. So that's that's Glaurung, and um, so earlier names in some of the first drafts of the Silmarillion and the f- tales of the First Age were Glomund, Glorung, and uh, Glorund. So they're pretty similar, mm-hmm. but then he ended up settling on Glaurung, and. Uh, so yeah, that's all about Glaurung. Yeah, pretty good dragon. That's a that was a good a, big story uh, summary of him. Thank you, man. That's a lot compared to the dragons I got. That's a lot of stuff. I don't have a lot of stuff on the dragons because there just wasn't a lot about my dragons. No, man, that's okay. That's probably why you gave me them because they're easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I took so we have a Discord where we talk about topics um, for each podcast. And mm-hmm. I, I took the topics of Glaurung and the next dragon I'm going to talk about because they have, I guess, the most important parts other than Smaug. Um, and so I gave Smaug and the other two dragons to Jay and Zach. Mm-hmm. But Zach's not here, so I don't yeah. know who's going to talk about Smaug. We'll figure that out when we'll figure it out. comes up. Um, so the next dragon, the... Uh, um, who's actually the mightiest dragon, uh, mightier than uh, Glaurung, was Enkalagan the Black. And so he actually was black in color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was justified. Is he drawn as gold on fan art? No. Do people draw him gold? <laughs> he is drawn as black. And um, so he is a an absolute unit of a dragon. He's yeah. gigantic. It is said that his wings blotted out the sun. and that I forget, like I said, I forget what it said his wingspan was, but it was... Basically, he was just huge, yeah. but he was um, the first of all the winged dragons, so uh, Morgoth started experimenting a little bit, and he created winged dragons, uh, which were even more devastating than just the regular uh, land-bound uh, dragons. Mm-hmm. And so this came about in the War of Wrath, which happened in the 
Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. My notes are a mess. Holy crap, Jay. What the heck? What the heck? Where'd it go? I'll find it somewhere. I actually cannot find it at all. Anyways, it was at the end of the first age. So there was the um, the War of Wrath, and that was... It's called the War of Wrath, but it was actually just a battle. Mm-hmm. But it also lasted 40 years. So it was it was a legendary battle, technically a war, but it was the last battle of the War of the Jewels, which I mentioned with the uh, yeah. Battle of Unnumbered Teals. Tears and better battle of sudden flame those were a part of the same war so this is the final war the valar the um basically the gods over mm-hmm. the sea they finally came over and listened to the pleas of the elves and men and dwarves and they took their hosts of uh, basically gods and all the elves and they attacked morgoth and all of his armies, and that was when Morgoth unleashed his winged dragons, and so there was a whole host of them in the skies, and they came with thunderbolts and firestorms. Uh, so that's pretty cool imagery right there. That'd be cool if they, if somebody or some production company ever gets the rights to the first stage, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be really sweet to see. To see. Yeah. yeah. So um, so that was when Encalagon first came out, and um, so there's a legendary character called Yarendale. Sorry, I just stuttered. Yarendale the Mariner, mm-hmm. and he, I know that name. Yeah, I do and know. he actually got a hold of one of the Silmarils passed down to him, mm-hmm. um, and so he went over to the sea. He was actually the one who pleaded with the Valar to go and attack Morgoth and defeat him once and for all. And so, because he was a man, well, he was part man, part elf, but because mm-hmm. he was technically mortal, they couldn't let him live in the Undying Lands where the Valar lived. And so they set him on a great task, and they took his ship because he was a mariner, and his ship was called Vingalot, and um, which I think I think it means foam flower in Quenya, which is another that's the High Elvish language. Mm-hmm. And um, he, they basically uh, hollowed his sh- uh, ship, made it holy, basically, and um, so it could fly around, and it had the uh, the light of the Silmaril, so it kind of shone like a star, and um, so. He he took his ship and he took the the hosts the great eagles kind of you see those in like the Hobbit and the Lord of Rings they're giant eagles mm-hmm. but he took these great eagles with him and they all flew against the the dragons and the Lord of the Eagles was called Thorondor and he was he was a huge eagle but even he wasn't as big as Encalagon the Black and Encalagon the Black was just a massive dragon and um, but eventually all the eagles took down a bunch of dragons and. Um, uh, Yarendil and his ship and Thorondor, they took down Encalagon the Black in a mighty battle and they slew him in midair and Encalagon the Black fell all the way down onto the towers of Thangorodrim, which were basically big mountain peaks of ash and um, and poison that were heaped up against um, uh, the, the fortress of Angband. Mm-hmm. And so he broke those towers as he fell onto them. Oh, so wow. that's how big he was. Yeah, and so that was the end of the mightiest. So it's a, a lot shorter of a story, but that was the end of the mightiest dragons of the first age, and actually all of the ages. That's crazy. That there will be. So I'm assuming that Ghostier, the one I talked about at the start, also died in the first age. So none of these three yeah. dragons made it into the second age. Yeah, but yeah. there were still other dragons that aren't mentioned that made it in the second age, because then there's more dragons in the third age. Yeah, right. So yeah. so there's I I don't know why there isn't really anything said about them. Maybe because the um maybe because most of the events of the second age were kind of like focused on like either Numenor 
or the elvish lands of uh, western middle earth and the dragons lived in northern like rovanian or the withered heath mm-hmm. so i guess that's probably why they weren't mentioned a lot but yeah uh, so, and Kalagan actually is a rough translation in Sindarin Elvish to rushing jaws, and in Noldoran Quenya, it means biting storm. Mm. So basically, he just had really fast mouth. Well, <laughs> talks fast. Talks fast, man. And in, actually, in an old English translation, he is named Endreka, which means enemy dragon. And there is also an end of times prophecy said by the, um, I don't remember where this is. I think it's probably in the appendix of The Return of the King. But there's this lady named Andreth, and um, I think she's one of like the um, the rangers. I don't remember actually. Mm-hmm. Either way, <laughs> that's okay. They say this prophecy, and it's all about like the end times, like end of the world battle. It's called the last battle, and then Kalagan the Black actually will come back, and Turin this time will slay Enkalagon the Black for good, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Turin took care of both of the dragons. Yeah, and so uh, Tolkien's son, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's son, mm-hmm. Christopher Tolkien, um, he explains that this prophecy was inspired by um, the uh, the legend of Sigurd killing the serpent uh, Mithgarthumr. Oh yeah, that's a weird word to say, Mithgarthumr. 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 Because it's an old English word, so it's got some like weird, like it's got like letters in the word that are not <laughs> it's actual. got letters in the word well it's got letters in the word that are actually not letters in the english alphabet anymore yeah so yeah, what are you gonna do you just gotta say it. well because i mean i i watched a video on how to pronounce them so Mythgarth summer Mythgarth summer midsummer a good movie so yeah so that was uh that was pretty much the inspiration for Anne calgon in the last battle the uh, end of times yeah interesting but that was a good summary thank you for doing that summary of what were their names? Gla- Glauron and Caligan the Black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And well, Gostir uh, was, I'm pretty sure, one of the dragons of Glauron. Like one of the um, just four-legged dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much known about that dude. Pretty cool, though. Yeah. But why don't we take an ad break before we move into the second and third age of dragons? Right on. So we'll see you guys after the ad. Hey everyone, just want to let you know that we created an Instagram. You can follow us there to get updates and behind the scene pictures and interact with us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth. If you don't want to look that up on Instagram, the link to the account will be in the show notes. So we thank you for your follow and we thank you for supporting the podcast. Okay, so now that we're back from the ad break. Yeah, it was a good ad. We're going to hop into uh, two more dragons we have left. We have Skatha. Is that how you say it? Skatha? Hop into, more like fly into. Oh, yeah. Is it Skatha? Yeah, Skatha. Skatha and Smaug. Um, I'm going to do Skatha. He was around in the Third Age. Uh, he died in Third Age 2000. Dang, man. Um, I don't know where that is in Lord of the Rings. Like, was Lord of the Rings <coughs> uh, the after that, right? Yeah, it was after. It was like a thousand years after that. Yeah. yeah, so it was close to Lord of the Rings time, but not during the time. So Skatha was one of the greatest uh, longworms that lived in the Grey Mountains, which is in the north of Middle-earth. Yep. His lair was in the southern slopes of the Grey Mountains. And uh, like every dragon, he had his uh, horde of... Uh, treasures that he <clears throat> sat on, which he got from the dwarves, and they weren't happy about that. 
but there was this whole thing about uh, the dwarves and the men were fighting over whose uh, treasure it actually was because yeah. uh, they both felt like they had the right to it until one man stepped up. His name was Fram. Yep. Which is kind of a cool name, kind of a weird name, Fram. But you can you can read about Fram in the append. Uh, Appendix A in Lo- in uh, Return of the King. They talk about so basically. Yeah. I'll read the sec. I'll read the snippet from the thing and uh, from the Appendix A where he talks about him, and then I'll go more in depth on it. Right, right. But it right. says so. It says Fram. They tell that he slew Skatha, the great dragon of Arid Mithrin, uh, and the land had peace from long long worms afterwards. Thus, Fram won great wealth, but was at feud with the dwarves who claimed the horde of Skatha. Uh, Fram would not yield them a penny and sent them and said the teeth of Scotha made it a necklace. So he took like the teeth of it, put them on a necklace. Then he said, jewels such as these, uh, you will not match in your treasuries for they are hard to come by. And the dwarves were not happy about that. And, um, it's not confirmed, but it's, uh, speculated that that's the dwarves killed him because he said that. Yeah. It was like but, an insult to them. Yeah. Yeah. But also I think part of it was that he took their, tr- or what they thought was their treasure. Yeah. So yeah. So he, uh, he was the one who killed Fram. It doesn't really... Or no, Fram killed Skatha, sorry. The dwarves killed Fram. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm getting confused. No, it's okay, man. So Fram killed Skatha. It doesn't really say how much... Or how, not how much, how he did it. Yeah. Because there's not very much about Skatha. Yeah. But... um, There is actually um an image of Skatha the dragon. If you if you listeners at home are in the car... Actually, don't do this in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't look it up. Put your car in park and uh, then do this. Yeah. Uh, go steer your car into a parking spot. <laughs> And look it up. Yeah, ghosty. <laughs> so, uh, look look up the teeth of Scatha, and it's spelled S C A T H A, and it's by Matt Stewart, and that's a really good depiction of um, Fram pulling some of the teeth from uh, Scatha as he lays dead, and so that's a really that's actually one of my favorite images of the dragons. That's kind of cool. Earth. Yeah. Do you want to see not... it? Do you sure. See it? I'm gonna show it to you. Grant describing it was cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. We're going to describe it to you guys. Actually, I just <laughs> described it to you. Yeah, Grant pretty much described so, it. And it's cool. And it's as cool as Grant described it. It's really it. cool. Uh, one thing I want to add is uh, Fram was uh, one of the northern men, and he was actually one of uh, one of the distant ancestors of um, the Rohirrim, the, the horse lords in that you f- see in the Lord of the Rings. And uh, there was actually a city, a settlement named after Fram, and it was called Framsburg, and that was uh, far in the north of the Vales of Anduin, the Great River, mm-hmm. uh, near to where Scatha lived. So. Yeah, you can find all this or about Fram and his ancestors and stuff in uh, the Appendix A, uh, the House of Elrol, Erol. Eorl? Eorl. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not good at pronouncing stuff. No, it's okay. House of Eorl, which is in the Appendix, appendix A of Return of the King. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's how he died, but there's a very important piece of treasure. Do you know the very important piece of treasure in Scatha's hoard? Yeah, I think I do. Do you want to say it though? So I make sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I can say it if you want me to say it. I'll say it slow. And then if you got it, you will join me. The horn Horn of of the the mark. mark. Yes. 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 It was the horn of the mark was in there and that's how, uh, the Rohirrim, Rajas the Rohirrim got the horn. Yeah. Because uh, Fram was an ancestor of theirs. So he took the horn. And that's another thing that the dwarves really wanted because they claimed that they made the horn. Yeah. Um, but uh, Fram took it and that's how they got it. And then you actually see in Return of the King when Erwin gives Mary the horn. 
Yeah. They mention, uh, oh, sorry, I hit the mic. They mention it. So this is from uh, the chapter Many Partings in Return of the King. And so Eowyn is giving this, giving the horn to uh, Mary. Yep. So she says, this is a heirloom of our house at Eowyn. It was made by the dwarves and came from the horde of Scotha the Worm. And then uh, she gives it to uh, Mary. So that's pretty much the only time in the Lord of the Rings, like, books. Other, those two times are the only times he's mentioned. He's not mentioned the Silmarillion, obviously, because that's the first stage. But So he's not mentioned a bunch, but he does play a big part, especially in the history of the Rohirrim. And uh, eventually he comes, or his story comes back, and Mary gets the horn that uh, was from from his horde yeah. so uh that's i think that's like a cool backstory like when you read it the first time and you hear about uh scotha's horde whatever what is his exact quote i forgot let me see uh the horde of scotha the worm when she says that the first time you read that you're not gonna notice or no even know what that means yeah but uh there's a whole i mean it's not a super long backstory like uh Glostier or whatever. Or not Glostier. Ghostier. Ghostier. Yeah. No, no, what's the one you did the first time? Oh, uh, Glaurung. Glaurung. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a long story, but it's a good story. Actually, um, Scatha is actually my favorite dragon, though. Of Middle really? Earth. Just because uh, my favorite, um, I guess, part of Middle-earth is the whole history of the Riders of Rohirrim mm-hmm. and how their kingdom started and all of their ancestors back into the Vales of Anduin. So Scatha is actually part of the history because Fram uh, was the leader of their people and he slew mm-hmm. them. And so that's just that's why he's my favorite dragon, just because I love that part of Middle-earth, that kind of history. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my favorite. That would that would be a cool like yeah maybe like a movie or a miniseries they could do, of the story of Fram killing yeah. Scatha. So um, actually, there is a movie coming out. Uh, we talked about this for uh, well in private, yeah. but we talked about there. There's an <laughs> the animated there is an animated Lord of the Rings movie called The War of the Hiram. Oh really? Um, is that gonna is this gonna be part of it? It's not gonna be part of it, but it is also it's gonna be part of the history of the Rohirrim. And yeah, so I'm really excited about that. But yeah. it would be cool if they did more kind of spin-off movies like that, even if they were just animated where, yeah, they did, like, different histories and stories like that. It'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, so Skatha is a pretty important dragon for uh, the Rohirrim, yeah. but not for the rest of the Middle-earth because he wasn't a big deal no. other than uh, with the dwarves. Yeah. But uh, so part from his name, the name Skatha comes from the Old English word, um, don't quote me on this as the right pronunciation because I spent about 10 minutes trying to find a website that would show me how to pronounce it. The only thing I could find... Okay, so it's spelled S-C-E-A-O-A and the only pronunciation I could find is Shiatha, um, which I don't know if that's right or not. That's probably right, yeah. Yeah, but one interesting thing I did find is that this word is used a few times in Beowulf, which is... uh, uh a story that Tolkien translated. Yeah. Something maybe he big inspiration for yeah. him. Yeah. And that word uh, means warrior, enemy, or criminal. It depends on the context you use it in. Yeah. But yeah, it's used. It's it's a it's used in the fourth line of Beowulf. But yeah. Um. Its modern version means to scathe. Yeah. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what that kind of comes from. Um. Actually, that that one letter. It's not an O, but it's uh. It's called F. S. That's the uh one of the old English. Uh, letters that's not in modern alphabets. Yeah, Grant knows a lot yeah. more about this than I do. So that's why when even though it was an O, it was pronounced like T-H. 
Yeah, so Shiatha. Shiatha. Yeah. Yeah, Shiatha. Um comes from that word and that's pretty much it for Skatha. He was a cool dragon. Cool dragon. He had he had a horde. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh but I don't know what we're gonna do about uh Sauron because Zach isn't Smaug. Or Smaug, yeah. Sauron. Whoa, Dang, what the what, heck? What the heck's going on? <laughs> He's not a dragon. Yeah, but I don't know what we're going to do about Smaug, because yeah, that's not here. I didn't do any... Re- I, did you yeah, research no, him? No, I didn't do... A, I mean, like, I know a little bit just off the top of my head, but... I just know him from the Hobbit books. Are we going to have to pause this and research real quick, or... I don't know. I don't know. Wait, hold on. What the heck? Looks like we got a caller. Huh? What? This is pre-recorded. How'd they know? Who is it? Uh, well, uh... I guess, Zach, you're on the line. Hey, guys. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. How's it going? Well, thanks for calling in. It's going great. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. How'd, how'd, you know, how'd you know to call in? Well, you guys told me you were recording, and I, I know I couldn't make it today, so I figured uh, I'd call in and see how it was going and see if you guys talked about my favorite dragon yet. Who are you again? <laughs> oh, it's me. It's Zach. Well, who's, Zach who's... Norman. Me and my friends... Uh, talk about lord of the rings on a podcast called exploring middle earth yeah not ringing a bell uh yeah well why don't you tell us about this uh dragon you your favorite dragon oh my favorite dragon i'd love to so i'm sure you guys might have heard of him he's a little guy known as smaug anyone anyone of course of course yeah 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 yeah. he's one of the most well-known dragons uh if you think of dragons in lord of the rings you probably think of smaug He's from The Hobbit and other yeah, things. Of course. But did you know... Mostly just The Hobbit. Yeah. They don't crack our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse Carry me. Carry on, please. Anyway. Um, yeah, did you know that Smaug is derived from the indicative past third-person singular of proto-Germanic verb... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty close, I guess. Yep, but it I don't means know. Yep, to creep that. or to squeeze through a hole, as well as yep, that's in my to notes. burrow or a place to that's creep ki- into, what the which heck? is, which is kind of weird. Where, I know, I know, it's a little, it's a little weird, a little weird. It's similar to where the name Smeagol comes from. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Wow, you know a lot about this guy. That is a one fun fact. Did you also know that Smaug was portrayed by the illustrious Benedict Cumberbatch in the Hobbit movies? No. Yeah, Zach, we're going to have to ask you, what makes Benedict Cumberbatch so illustrious? (laughs) What makes him illustrious? Have you seen him? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, no, Zach. This is a podcast. <laughs> we can't see. Things. We can't see on podcast. Oh, you're right. Well, you and hopefully the listeners at home, listeners like me, can uh, do some research, and you'll very quickly come to the same conclusion I have um, that he is illustrious. But more about Smog specifically, because uh, you know, like I said earlier, Smog is pretty iconic. When you think of Lord of the Rings and dragons, you think of Smog. He's one of the most iconic dragons in pop culture, and some yeah. other, one of the other most popular dragons, which differ kind of greatly, are the dragons as we see them in Game of Thrones. You know, Smog is depicted as this like great. 
character with personality and cunning. But when you see dragons in like Game of Thrones, they're more like animals. They're more like they have like their natures Primitive. and whatnot. Um, but you also see like a depiction of dragons that follows what Smog is in Dungeons and Dragons. Historically, as going as far back as like the earlier editions all the way up until what we have now, the fifth edition, dragons, they have a variety of personalities because there's a variety of types. They're kind of based on either metallic or chromatic, and they, the metallic ones generally tend to be like good, and the chromatic ones tend to be like evil, but you know, there's some leeway there. But they range from these cunning, um, Machiavellian kind of personalities to like these almost like feral, you know, kind of creatures. Um, but mm. by and large, the dragons from Dungeons and Dragons uh, pretty closely align with what we see from Smaug and uh, I would imagine some of the other dragons yeah. in Tolkien's world. Um Dragons in D&D are capable of a lot of different things. Uh, most of the chromatics have varying types of breaths, you know, fire breath, a, a lightning breath, uh, poison spray. Um, oxygen breath. Oxygen or, breath. Uh, my bad, CO2 breath. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even like a cold breath and the... Uh, metallic ones so they have this but they also most metallic dragons have the ability to like cast spells and shapeshift into different forms so they can kind of hide right. what they look wow. like and you know depict themselves as different humanoid creatures to blend in this is kind of kind of goes along with why they're considered uh, good because they establish more relationships with like humankind and stuff like that um, but a question wow. for the Tolkien experts of the room, um, which I know yeah, is one that's of you, us. at least one of you, um, <laughs> yes. of, oh, okay. right, yeah. of those kind of like traits that we see in D&D from dragons, do any of those come specifically from things that dragons in Tolkien's world do, like the different types of like breaths or anything like that, or like shape-shifting, do we see any of that in Tolkien's dragons? Um, well, the only instance of uh, dragon breath that we know of from Tolkien's works are fire breath, and there are other types of dragons that don't breathe fire at all, and they're just called cold drakes. So the, the only instance we know of is fire breath, so there's no uh, cold uh, breath okay. or ice breath or whatever, lightning breath, nothing like that. But there is um, the uh, inspiration that Tolkien drew uh, from, for uh, Smaug was the dragon Fafnir from the um, Losanga. Uh, saga, uh, which is the Norse legend, Ooh. and Fafnir was actually once a dwarf who had possession of a hoard of treasure, and in that treasure was a ring, which we talked about last episode, uh, concerning the rings, and um, the ring allowed him to uh, shapeshift, actually, and become invisible, and the dwarf shapeshifted into a dragon, and so that was kind of like, that is probably one of the inspirations, maybe, for the Dungeons and Dragons dragons yeah, yeah. Uh, that they can shapeshift is probably from that uh, that legend right there yeah so that's that's what I'm that's what I'm guessing that's from I agree yeah yeah I agree thanks Jay <laughs> thanks for the input yeah. uh, Jay you're Jay you're actually my favorite member of the podcast I don't mean to out you know well we oh, don't need to get into oh, that right now oh, so we can, we can talk about that later anything, okay yeah, thank you, know. you Zach thank you Zach 
Um, oh, oh, much love. But, you know, I just wanted He's to call in. I want to talk about Smog. I know you guys were doing Dragons this week, you know, so I had to get in my little, like, because so I'm such a big Smog fan. I'm such a big fan of his performance, or his appearance, I should say, in The Hobbit with, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, um, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he really performed. I think it was someone performing as him. But... That's why I said appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Grant, don't tell him Smog isn't Come real. On. I'm sorry. Smog, Smog is a real, Zach. He's real to me. Zach, your parents have lied to you. Okay, well, <laughs> we're going to hang up before this gets too crazy. Um, so thanks for calling in, and please don't uh, call in again. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, because this is a serious <laughs> podcast. We're trying to. We're on a set schedule right now. Don't yeah, we're a little schedule. Back? But well, I mean, I guess I kind of took, you know, some of the Smog off of your guys' shoulders. If okay, we're, we're yeah. going to hang up after that, so thanks for calling in, Zach, and we'll see you later. No! Cut him out, cut him out. No! Okay, that was weird that he called us. I don't. I honestly don't know how he found out we were recording right now, because we didn't tell him, but... I mean, he gave us information on Smog. So that was pretty good. And a bunch of nerdy stuff about D&D. Yeah, yeah. gross. Yeah. Even though we play D&D. But yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add about Smaug? Other yeah, than I have plenty, D&D. actually. Oh, you did research while I you did was... actually research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, none of this was planned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we were like, what the heck? We, this is such a coincidence. Yeah. We did not know this was happening. And honestly, I forgot that I took notes. Yeah. Like five minutes ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Not five minutes ago, but... Yeah. But... Uh, so Smaug was called the Golden, and that was because he actually had a red golden like a red gold scale color. So he actually was true. Like a rose gold? No. Oh. <laughs> but he was actually true to his description. Yeah, he was so, a realist. He was a real one. Hunter. Yeah, keep one hunter. <laughs> he was the greatest fire breathing dragon in the third age. And wow. he was uh he was an ancestor of Encalagon the Black, so just wow. uh that was probably his grandpa or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, but in the uh, third age, 2,770, I don't know why I said it like that, he attacked Erebor, the Lonely Mountain, uh, which was a, a great uh, city of the dwarves, of Durin's folk, and the city of Dale, which was inhabited by northern men. And uh, because he heard of the great wealth that had amassed within Erebor, and that was actually um, owed to one of the dwarven rings, uh, but... So he heard of the the great wealth, and he wanted that for himself because he's a dragon. I mean, who doesn't want that for himself? Yeah, so he just wanted all the treasure. So he attacked, and he, um, you can probably see this in the intro to some of the Hobbit movies, but he attacks, and he sets the whole like land and side of the mountain on fire and all the forests on fire, and he burns down Dale and mm-hmm. eats a lot of dwarves and people. And it said he especially went after maidens, like he ate maidens. For some reason, I don't know. Is that in the Hobbit? Like they in, say that in the Hobbit? In the, I think yeah, I think they say that in the books or something like that. But I don't, I don't That's know weird. why. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird, man. Smile, lay off, Ooh. man. But uh, so, he was at the time that he attacked the mountain and Dale. He was considered still young by um, by two seven. That's pro- probably why he attacked the maiden. He was just a young boy. Yeah, he couldn't take on the the men. Yeah. But um. By the time of Thorin's quest, which is basically the whole plot of The Hobbit, he was considered old and strong and much more cunning. And he became, um, because he was kind of king under the mountain, as he called himself, he became really proud and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of his downfall, actually. But um, Seems like a lot of people's downfall. Yes. 
So the uh, area that smog burned around the mountain was known as the Desolation of Smog, which is the the name of the second movie of The Hobbit. So oh, yeah. that's just a little fun fact. Little coincidence. I mean, I, not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. <laughs> That'd be nope. weird if it was a coincidence. No. Uh, but um, so uh, basically, Thorin's quest uh heavily involves smog because Thorin is the grandson of the king, the uh, Thror who um, obviously was king of Erebor when Smaug attacked, and every all the dwarves were forced into exile. And so now Thorin wants his revenge, and he wants his treasure and his kingdom back. But they've got a dragon to deal with, so they don't yeah. know how to do that. So there's a chance meeting with Gandalf um, uh, in Bree in Eriador, and so they kind of formulate a plan to take back uh, Erebor because Gandalf is also very worried that Sauron, as he's starting to rise again in power that Sauron will want to use Smaug as a weapon of mass destruction in the upcoming war when he reveals himself once more. And so Gandalf is very worried about that, so he too wants Smaug eradicated. And so he uh, he agrees to help Thorin in his quest to uh, regain Erebor and the kingdom. And so, um, so that's when he recruits Bilbo and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, he acts as a burglar and he goes into the, um, there's like the, you know, the whole, the whole quest in the hobby. Yeah, you know, that's, you don't that's, know how that goes. You'll know how that goes. <laughs> I won't get into that. Cause that'd just be a very long explanation that has nothing to do with dragons until the last part. So, yeah. uh, so he gets the whole company of dwarves and Gandalf and, um, well, Gandalf's not there at the time, but you know, you know, how, yeah, that you goes. know how it goes. <laughs> so the dwarves and Bilbo get, to the mountain and they uh, find the secret passage that Thor escaped from uh, when Smog first attacked mm-hmm. and Bilbo goes in and he steals a golden cup and he brings it back up just to prove that there's still the treasure down there. Smog's still down there but he can get treasure back. And But Smog awakes after, um, after kind of sensing that like a tunnel has opened, like he mm-hmm. can kind of smell the fresh air and he thought he had blocked all the tunnels and then he once he opens his eyes, he realizes that the golden cup was missing. And even though the treasure hoard that they had down there was massive, he still noticed that because they're greedy mm-hmm. and very intelligent. So he figured it out. Um, and it also had the smell of Bilbo in there, even though he had never smelled the hobbit before. So he was very concerned about what was happening. Yeah. Um, but eventually Bilbo came back down again to um, get some more treasure and look around and see if there are any weaknesses of Smaug. And as he was down there wearing his invisible ring, which turned out to be the one ring, mm-hmm. um, he found out that Smaug had a, um, a bare spot under his arm, when the armpit. Mm-hmm. And um, so he found out that was a, a weakness. That was one of the parts that was not covered by scales mm-hmm. or gems or gold because Smaug's um, whole body was kind of encrusted with that. He was sticky. He was, he was sti- sweaty because he covered up all sweaty. the tunnels. Yeah. There's no ventilation. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was humid sweaty. down there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so... Um, then Smaug, uh, wakes up once more and he, uh, kind of questions Bilbo who he is. And that's when Bilbo, uh, speaks in riddles, um, just to kind of, uh, direct Smaug away from who he is. And so that's how Bilbo escapes his dragon spell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Bilbo escapes once more and then Smaug gets angry that Bilbo is in league with the dwarves and he should have never done that. So Smaug leaves the mountain actually, and he goes in search for the dwarves on the side of the mountain, but he can't find them. And so eventually he kind of smashes the whole side of the mountain, just hoping to kill them in his rage and block up any passages. And then after that, he was like, you know what? They came from Lake Town, so I'm going to go to Lake Town and 
kill them all. And so he flies to Lake Town, which is upon the Long Lake, and those are the people that helped uh, the dwarves and Bilbo get to um, Erebor. Um, And they are, a lot of the people of Lake Town, too, um, were, some of them were survivors a long time ago from the ruins of Dale when Smog attacked. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of those survivors was Bard, and he was a descendant of Girion, who was the lord of Dale. Big guy. Big guy. But not a lot of people liked him because he was grim and he was kind of a Debbie Downer. Mm -hmm. So. But, um, so, uh, Bard. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I said the wrong name earlier, but it's, no, Bard. it's Bard. Okay, right. Yeah. So Bard the Bowman is what his name is. He's a master archer and he, um, he has a black arrow that he saved fr- from, from Dale, from his, uh, uh, ancestor Girion. And, um, there's a, a thrush that overhears Bilbo talking to the dwarves about the weak spot in Sauron or Smaug. I said Sauron too <laughs> in Smaug's uh, breast. And uh, he said, wait, wait, what's, what's, a, up, man? what's a thrush? A thrush is a bird. Oh, okay. It's like, um, like a Robin, you know, mm-hmm. those are a species of thrush. Oh, okay. So wait, it, it's like for real or in Tolkien's is a thrush no. like an actual bird thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean like uh, Tolkien's, like his inspiration for the thrush is like a thrush that lives in Europe or Eurasia, mm-hmm. not in North America. Cause okay. it wouldn't look like a Robin, mm-hmm. but it would have like similar body shape. In the oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so there's actually the, this race of thrushes that live near the mountain in Lake town and they can speak the language of men and, um, in the, the Lords of Dale can understand the language of the thrush. And so that's how Bard is able to understand that there is a weak spot in Smaug. And so when Smaug comes flying over Lake town, burning it all up, he uses his black arrow and he keeps, well, he keeps firing his arrows and they keep missing, but then he sees the, the weak spot and mm-hmm. he uses his black arrow and he takes down Smaug, um, yeah. once and for all. And Smaug falls into Lake town and kind of crushes the main, part of it and it all sinks underwater and his fire is uh, quelled because of the cold water yeah and after the ruin of lake town and everyone went onto the shore um no one actually dared go into the lake to uh, recover all the gems that were attached to his scales because it was kind of like a cursed or haunted spot and so you yeah. can you can see if like you're on a boat over the the lake you can actually look down and see Smaug's bones laying there. It's pretty, pretty cool. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it oh, actually. It's it's crazy. It's kind of spooky. It's what a sight, man. Let yeah. me tell you, what a sight. Don't go there at night. You can't see first of all. <laughs> yeah, but it's scary. It's spooky. So I mean, I'd be scared <clears throat> if I saw any animal bones while I was out on a lake. I don't know. I said lake, lake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the lake. Yeah. So that is that is the end of uh, that is the end of Smaug, the greatest dragon of the Third Age. Wow. But not my favorite dragon of the Third Age, Scatha. Scatha. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what my favorite dragon is. I kind of like uh, what was the black one? And Caligon the Black. Caligon yeah. the Black. I like that one just because how big he was. Big boy. Big boy. Yeah. Um. So that's uh that's all the dragons. Uh, like I said earlier, um, the fell beasts that we're seeing in the Lord of the Rings movies, and obviously they're in the books as well. They're the kind of the steeds, the wing steeds of uh, the Nazgul. Yeah. They're not dragons. They're um they're just beasts that were uh they weren't created by Sauron, but they were kind of like, um I guess experimented on, and they grew to great size, and they were basically. They, I guess, they were described as like big carrion birds, but they had a more reptilian look. And yeah. Tolkien actually said that his inspiration were um, pterodactyls. Oh, that's cool. Um, so they, 
he described him as having more of like a pointed face sort of like a pterodactyl but in the movies i almost like the movie depiction of them better they look more menacing but in the movie they're more of a rounded face right yeah um but those are not dragons they are reptilian Mm -hmm. i guess but they're not dragons that's yeah. a common misconception. I feel like the Nazgul would be overpowered if they rode actual dragons. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so they can't breathe fire or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much just big reptiles. That's why Aowen can kill one pretty easily. Yeah. She just slices through one of their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually a few more um, dragons of sorts that were mentioned, and they were mentioned in the book The Fall of Gondolin. And they weren't alive, which is interesting. So Morgoth, um, when he discovers the location of the Elvish Kingdom of Gondolin, um, which was his one of his greatest enemies was King Turgon, and he could not find out where he lived, where his kingdom was. Mm-hmm. And so eventually he find out through a bunch of spies, and um, he found out. He find he out. find out. Eventually he find out. <laughs> I was gonna say something, but I thought no, it's too late. No. I don't want to correct him. Uh, so he found out uh, through some spies and some like some insider information, and uh, he. Um, invaded Gondolin through the mountains and he brought with him lots of orcs, lots of balrogs and he also brought with him uh, dragons but not only dragons but there were serpents of bronze and monsters of fire other than balrogs so mm-hmm. these serpents of bronze were like hollow on the inside and they could breathe fire but they were used to carry orcs and the orcs would kind of like come out of them like they were almost like transport so kind of like a Trojan horse with a flamethrower on it? Yeah, pretty much. But they're in the shape of like a big dragon serpent mm-hmm. sort of thing, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then the monsters of fire were kind of like serpent-like as well. And Balrogs rode on its back. And they also breathed fire. So that that's kind of a cool... They're not actually like dragons per se, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like an invention of Morgoth that he used in his battle against Gondolin. And Gondolin yeah. fell because... They literally had no power against. Dude, all that. spoiler. Well, it's called the Fall of Gondolin, so <laughs> that could just mean like autumn time. Oh, I mean, I guess you're right. <laughs> it's just a nice story about autumn and Gondolin. My bad. Yeah, it's it's a lovely story. You should read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh that's that, pretty much all the information. That's we have interesting though. On dragons, dragons, dragons yeah, and dragon-like monsters, or drakes, or drakes, drakes. as they're called, because they're called cold drakes. Yeah, some cold of them, drakes. So. Scatha, Scatha was a cold drake. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. they hot drakes? Or are they not called uh, hot drakes? Uruloki. Uruloki. Yeah. Hot drakes. Um, oh, also, I think in The Hobbit, Bilbo mentions wereworms in the last desert. Um, and there's also these big worm, like tunneling worms in The Hobbit movies. And so those are, I guess, not actually supposed to be in the movie, but they were more of like a myth or a legend within The Hobbit. Um, but a myth within a myth. Yeah, but they Whoa. they I guess um, part of the story was that they were kind of like a myth based on dragons, so or like the serpents. So mm-hmm. that's also another little thing hidden in the the depths of Tolkien's writings. Yeah, there's so, a lot there. That's what we got about dragons. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Even though Zach was here, we all we all know you enjoy Zach a lot more than us. So yeah, I'm, I guess I'm yeah. sorry you had to sit through this. Yeah. But, I mean, at least you got to hear Zach call for a little bit. He took time from his busy schedule. Yeah, it was so. nice to hear Zach and talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, so. But from now on, uh, Zach's going to be remote because he is. He will be in college. He will be in college. Don't yes. say the location, though. Uh, college. Oh, dang, man. <laughs> He's going to be at college, so you'll be hearing him call in for most of the time. Yeah, so. Until next summer. 
if we're still doing this next summer hopefully please pay us yeah please pay us <laughs> jeez louise man so uh yeah so uh thank you everyone for listening this was our uh this was a fun podcast on dragons i love talking about the dragons of middle earth who doesn't like talking about dragons yeah they're freaking cool name one person who doesn't like talking about dragons uh Told I can't. You, yeah, you can't do it. I can't, it. actually. So. I can't either. So. Yeah, so uh, thank you, everyone, once again, and thank you for listening to our um, other three podcasts uh, concerning Hobbits, um, Istari Party, yes. and Dominion of the Dominion Rings, of the Rings. which is my favorite one so far. Yeah. Um, so thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sharing, um, and thank you for listening. See you later. Goodbye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Middle Earth. Grant and I had a great time making it with Zach guest starring on it, and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you do enjoy the podcast and you want to support us, uh, there's two ways you can do that. One way is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This helps us a lot because it builds up our reputation. You can also share this episode or podcast with friends over social media. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth, where we will post updates and behind-the-scenes pictures. Uh, The link to that will be in the show notes. Each episode goes up every other Monday, so be on the lookout for episode 5 on September 13th. We're going to talk about Morgoth, Melkor, the first Dark Lord, whatever you want to call them. So be ready for that. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.